Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. Good afternoon, good morning, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages. You know who we are. It's in the intro. I am your host, Game Goblin, sitting alongside... Kazakhan, the Lord Dragon. And... Darth Blasphemous, hail to the dark side. And somebody who's supposed to be sitting in seat number four has school. I thought it was work. Work, school, real life, aggro. Same thing. He calls himself a gamer. Oh yeah, it's pretty common. Have you ever tried to get a game group to meet regularly? Yes, <laughs> back in my day I was doing five games regularly every week. I made time for that shit even with a job, because I was an addict. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Gaming was a lot easier before I hit 25. I don't know. Crazy Gaming shit. was a lot easier before uh, cell phones. Ugh, no shit. Truth. Anywho, on to today's topic. Brought to you by our sponsor, Nobody. <laughs> I'm still waiting for Pornhub to send me an email. <laughs> I'm serious, dude. If they sponsor us, I'll be like, Pornhub, the role-playing game. All their movies are action movies. Every fantasy you've ever had is there. Nah, it's just the game would be nothing but, like, public relations videos and uh, the occasional, like, uh, rage of some group who doesn't like the fact that their group can't monitor every video that gets uploaded, so then you got, like, damage control stuff. God damn, it is like a political role-playing game with lots of social combat. <laughs> Fuck that shit. I know, right? Okay. There's 5e rules for it, too. Oh, God. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, hey, Wizards of the Coast and Magic the Gathering will license anything these days. They're I mean, desperate. Yes, they are. And speaking of desperation, this week's episode is about survival in your role-playing game. How do you run it? How do we run it? Where do you begin? Where do you start? What's the scenario? What's the setting? What can player characters get away with that's not on their character sheet? I'll say everything. Anything. Sky's the limit. I mean, one of the big ways I've had to do it recently is I go, alright, what would you have on your person? You have two hands. That's all you can have. Two things. They tell me what that is. It's usually just their weapons. From there, I take the rest of their inventory sheet and I place it under my GM screen for a while. Because that's all they have is whatever they had in their hands and on their back. Oh god, that's an idiot way to start survival. I mean, what the fuck? Okay, I... Hey, they are the ones who chose to have two longswords instead of, oh, my pack and my longsword. No, 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 no. For me, like... If I was put in the survival scenario, and of course it would be meta as fuck, but the first choice of items that I would have is at least an axe. Is number one, because... Axes you, are useful. You can do a lot of neat... Surprise, jump cut. Dang. Uh, yep, trying to do things with multiple screens would be fancy and shit, and uh, yeah, I, I royally screwed the pooch there. You did royally screw the pooch. Fucked it up. Uh, anybody who does want to email us at bfgamershq.com and send hate mail for Darth Blasphemous, I will fucking read it on air for our surprise jump cut. Now, back to the episode about survival, barring any more freaking Te problems. <laughs> technical issues. Well, at that least was I not can a technical issue. File to you that, was him, that was him clicking on shit. I'm just saying, though, if I am put in a situation, and I know, like I was just saying before, our surprise jump cut. Dink. Dink. <laughs> fucking doof. The first thing yeah. that I would take is a hatchet or at least a medium-sized axe. Mm -hmm. Because I can strip bark off wood. I can chop wood. If it's a fireman's axe, I can use the back of it to dig into the ground to pull out roots. 
I can use an axe for chopping twigs to put together a bushcraft shelter of some sort. And depending on the uh, how big, how wide the back of the head is, you've got a hammer too. No, no, I'm talking like if I had a fireman's axe. Yeah, they I still have a section that's that's flat. Yeah, I have a fireman's axe, dude. There's that section for hammering is not really for hammering. It's tiny. <laughs> Depending on the act, like uh, the one that I have has kind of like, it's more of a pick on the back of it for okay. digging. Uh, even the larger full-size fireman's axe, the uh, back blade is larger, so it's not really going to be there for hammering. But I can still slam the axe uh, on the side of it if I need to hammer uh, stakes into the ground. Regardless, I've got some versatility with an axe, and if worse comes to worse, I can throw the damn thing at something. It's a hell of a gambit, depending on what the situation is. But you can throw an axe a lot better than a long sword. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. The other item I would have in my hand would be actually a sparker for making fires. Flint so and tinder. Basically, and one of the magnesium rods. Yeah. But that would be in modern terms. Now, if you're in game, then you've got your flint and steel. Flint and steel is basically the same concept. Yeah. So I would have some sort of fire making kit. Because with a fire-making kit, and of course, again, this is meta as fuck, but from certain trees, I can get glue. Oh, yeah. So if I need to waterproof my bushcraft shelter, all I need to do is be able to make a fire and find the right kind of trees. Which would be pines. You take the pine tar and refine that. Oh, it's not just pine tar. There's actually other trees that do it. You want to look mm -hmm. for uh, coniferous trees? No. Not carnivorous, but coniferous. Big difference there. <laughs> yeah, and you want to give an explanation for our viewers who don't know the difference? All right, so for those who haven't taken forestry classes, you have predominantly two different types of trees. You have deciduous trees, which are leaf-bearing trees. Maple trees is a maple good Maple trees. Of course, the Canadian would go maple trees first. But you well, know motherfuckers what? Motherfuckers have giant leaves. They're cool. Motherfuckers are delicious, too. True. Can't fault also that. Also poisonous. Yeah. Yes. So you got maple trees. You got elm trees. You got birch trees. You got oak trees. All right, so leaf-bearing trees are in the deciduous family. For coniferous trees, or conifers, you have pine-bearing trees, the ones that have pine cones and needles on them. Of course, obviously, pine trees Dee -dee. are in that family. Mm, pinyon trees, they have delicious little pine nuts. Uh, and of course, there are uh, certain survival aspects. Again, this is me if I was being meta as fuck. So I'm just assuming at this point the GM is like, hey, Game Goblin, you're playing yourself. And in that case, I would hope that I do not wind up somewhere in the uh, lower uh, of the American area there. Anywhere, actually, around the Gulf of Mexico. Because there's a certain tree down there that I am personally in dire fear of ever encountering. Which and is? to say that you're in dire fear of a tree means that tree is either really evil or I'm just a big pussy. <laughs> and anyone who dares look up the mansion eel tree will realize I actually do have legitimate reasons for fearing a tree that will poison gas you if you stand too close to it when it rains and will burn your skin like acid. That's M A. Yeah, well, well you, it'll, you got it'll... most of the spelling there as he looks it up. But this thing is like the death tree, okay? <laughs> this is the one tree that I would not want to be into a survival encounter with. It bears fruit. It bears fruit, it burns the skin, everything on it is poisonous. It is just a fucking terror show. It's worse than a monkey tree. Yeah, if Florida says it's bad, you know it's bad. Yeah, this is like one of the few things in Florida that repels Florida Man. Hard it, to do, it's but it's his works. kryptonite. It's, it's Florida Man's kryptonite is the mansion eel tree. <laughs> that and getting a job. But yeah, if I was in a survival situation with any of my characters, I would think, and this may be a bit meta on my part, that anybody who's put into a situation with any sense of forewarning, that they are going to be put into a survival situation, maybe I would take a weapon in one hand. I mean, D&D, &D, you're pretty much screwed if you don't have a weapon. However, if you're playing a character that has weapon proficiency blunt and you're in the forest... There are weapons literally lying everywhere. Yeah. Anybody can pick up a stick. And wing it. And they can uh, heat treat it basically old caveman style with a campfire and wail on something. Or throw it. 
Or you can carve a stick into a spear and throw it. Or you can pick up a rock and throw it if your strength score is Or if you have... Uh, and of course, we're, we're talking about like uh, in a D&D game, basic woodworking skills would be part of the curriculum anybody would learn. This is a time when people would build their own uh, houses out of mud and sticks. Or so, wood and stone, depending on how Or wood and stone. Or actually, they would use a lot of different methods, but for simplicity's sake, they would know how to burn a hole into a stick and insert wood in the, or uh, another uh, item into the said hole, like a rock that's already sharpened, like flint, and basically make a crude caveman axe out of it until they get something better. You're literally in an area where you got weapons all around you. Yes, they're crude. They're not as effective as metal weapons. But it's better than nothing. But if the player character has forewarning, I would think any D&D character would have at least the most rote basic skills to do something in the forest without really needing the knowledge nature skill. Like, yeah, a it's like everyone's going to be able to build a campfire. Most folks are going to be able to assemble a decent if not great, shelter. You know, even if it's just throw a cloak over a couple of sticks and lean against the rocks. Anybody can make a lean-to. Yeah, exactly. And you think about from this time period, you know, there's so much other stuff. And then you bring magic into this. You know, most people, they could have been a woodsman or think about the professions. Almost no one fills in the profession on their Pathfinder character sheet. Hell unless it's no actually one. something they try to do to try and bullshit their stuff like say be a pirate yes i did that <laughs> yeah everybody says pirate on their character sheet i mean he had a legitimate reason but yeah. at the same time i think like another good example of this is craft skills mm -hmm. uh basket weaving right woodworking exactly woodworking carpentry you know smithing uh jewel crafting and you know jewelry stuff those are all professions that people pick up as hobbies goodness knows blasphemous is a good example of this no but so we're talking about things to use for survival and knowing how to work with jewelry isn't exactly going to save you unless you know the tiger doesn't attack you if you're not wearing what's in fashion but well, it, it's I... one of those things of like going with the profession thing you there's an actual list of professions and i have one of my players jiggles you all know him um and he uh he chose profession minor, so he, not profession being a little kid, but profession going down into the deep, deep, dark hole and bring it out chiseling ore. away for ore or specific stone, you know, because I don't think a lot of, like, coal, I wouldn't consider an ore, but, you know, knowing how to dig down in a hole and prop it up so it's somewhat safe. I would say even with profession minor, if somebody were to take that and wind up in a survival situation... You'd want the miner on your side if you're dealing with mountains. Well, with mountains, but I think just thinking outside the box here a little bit, or thinking outside the book, a person with the mining skill would probably be a bit more apt than most of the other players for dowsing. Mm -hmm. If yeah. you need somebody to look for an underground source of water because you want to build a well in your survival camp, this is the guy who's going to recognize the soil and the strata, you know, like... If you're walking around, he's going to be able to dig down a little bit and be able to figure out, you know, how the topsoil, how many feet of topsoil there is. Then you get down to the clay layer, and he's going to be like, okay, we're going to have to dig like 18 feet down before or we hit ground Or is this all gravel, and is it covered by peat? So anything like, whoa, this shit catches on fire really easily. Don't fucking just set your fire down on top of the ground, because yeah, you're I, basically on top of tinder. Yeah, I think somebody with professional uh, mining would actually be one of the first legitimate sources to ask... Hey, if we dig here, are we going to find water underneath the soil? Yeah. I I'm just thinking outside the book here a and little bit. And there is the survival skill, which they bring up a whole bunch of those things. But other interesting ways to use it, because think about it, most of the time you roll survival, it's... Track an animal. Track an animal, or... God, I think we used it one time because someone was drowning, and they didn't have uh, was it, acrobatics swim. or swim. Something like they that. They didn't have acrobatics, so they couldn't do a backflip in the water. Basically, yeah. I mean, hell, that's yeah. how my uh, monk almost died. <laughs> well, so, that's your fault for playing a monk. Yeah. But still, the, the whole thing of it is um, there's in Pathfinder the survival skill, which breaks down a whole bunch of stuff. But that's one stat. You got to think about other things you can use in that. Maybe you've got an intelligence caster, God forbid. <laughs> All um, right. You know, someone who's book learned, they might be like, oh, I know a few of these plants are poisonous. Yeah. 
there, there's common hearth knowledge that I think most characters in a D&D setting would have, such as fire starting with birch bark. Mm-hmm. Almost everybody would know that if there's a birch tree around and they've got some sort of way, some sort of way of Creating producing uh, any sort of spark, they're going to have a fire. I think this would be common hearth knowledge that almost anybody would travel around with a survival pack. If they find a birch tree, they have found gold for making fire. Yep. Yep. I, I think this would be a very common thing, and especially with uh, some of the things that I took in my forestry class in ancient times. Eons ago. Eons ago when the world was still in black and white. <laughs> when certain TV shows like Howdy Doody were still popular and, you know, pulling in really good ratings. There was a lot of hearth knowledge, even all the way up until like the 30s and 40s, of people who would just know shit. Uh, because, I mean, really, it's even common. up until the 40s, electricity was not everywhere. Yeah. You know, you, you could live out in the fucking boon toolies and still be like just fucking having dinner over kerosene lamps. You know, it became more or less prevalent. Uh, electricity became more or less prevalent up until the 50s. But anyway, I digress. I get back to it. There's a lot of hearth wisdom out there. And a lot of the uh, fathers and grandfathers and so forth would teach their sons. And a lot of mothers would teach their daughters. Or whatever the case may be. The elder generations would teach their younger generations survival skills, like what berries are edible. Uh, you know, it, depending on region where you are, and of course anybody who's taken survival would know, red touch black, venom black. So they would learn which animals to go near, which ones to avoid. Red touch yellow, kill a fellow. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So there, there was a lot of rote survival skills, and that's something that's fallen the wayside, especially after the 60s, I would say, in my opinion. After the Cultural Revolution, where they were like, oh, I'm not going to listen to you, you're old, you don't know anything. Well, especially when uh, modern electricity and modern conveniences and microwave ovens and prepackaged foods and processed stuff. Psychedelics. Psychedelics, yes. When all of this stuff started getting introduced in our households and we really didn't have to do anything beyond the 9 to 5 job in a factory, these skills fell the wayside. Right. And another skill that, you know, I think every adventurer is going to have is sewing. Everyone uh, needs to mend their own crap in the fantasy settings. Yeah, Unless everybody... you have the mending spell, in which case but, you kind of get so laid. that was an actual profession back then. Not everyone was... Oh yeah, you could pick up like a fish bone and tie some rough string around it and give it a general repair to like yeah, anybody sew can, something together. Anybody well, can yeah. do a general repair. Yeah, that's what he's yeah. going with. I mean, to actually be well, a uh, tailor him... or a seamstress, yeah. that takes skill, that takes talent. And when you get into that stuff, you're actually like doing really fine clothes or you're doing lace, which is damn near a lost art now. You're doing really highbrow shit. I think what Kazrakan is going with is like, I rip my jeans and I need to have these repaired until I can get a new pair. Yeah. You know, anybody can do that, dude. I've repaired my own clothes and I do not even have a sewing skill in real life. I'm just like, there's a hole, it needs fixed. Well, no, I was well, just putting in some context of context of what someone would like pick up and have and be like, oh, this is ripped. I'm going to fucking, you don't even have to have an actual needle. Because you, you think about someone who actually knows how to sew these, you have the little sewing kit. I've got like three of them in the garage. But it's one of those things of, like, people back then, they were just like, I don't like that this thing opens up here, so I'm going to take, like, this and poke some stuff through it. Because think about it, even the leather working, being able to tan, yeah. to like, a health thatching or a roof, that's a damn near lost art form. In its own right, yes. And, I you know, sewing is a very useful skill for mm. several purposes. Mending your clothing, making shelter, fixing wounds, it's... It's a basic skill. Yeah, so I would think yeah. anybody in a fantasy setting would be able to do things like basic gardening, and they would be able to do fishing without the skill of being a fisherman. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the basic hunting and survival and gathering and growing techniques. So in a survival game, as long as the player characters have some semblance of knowledge of what life was like in medieval times, they would have a chance to survive, in yeah. my opinion. Now, yeah, and I'm saying in my opinion as a defense here because I could be wrong. Yeah, and but 
You got a bunch of city kids uh, playing a fantasy game. Most city shit. kids are playing a fantasy game, and like you said, one of them takes two long swords. Yeah. What the fuck? Okay, you're going to start a fire how? You're going to build a lean-to how? How are you going to use those two long swords to get food? When predominantly everything in the forest that doesn't want to kill you is faster at running away than your swords can swing. It's even worse as a wizard uh, failed to say they had their spell book on them. Ooh. Ooh. That's why I play a sorcerer. They yeah. are they are better, but yeah. My spell book is tattooed on my dick. Charisma 17. BAM! <laughs> constitution of four. Hey, it hurt like the living hell, yes, Constitution 4, but I had my spell book. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's one of those things of like to to put it in context for people, like, yeah, you would know somewhat how to fish, but if you didn't grow up in a region with a lot of rivers or lakes or something there was usually a water source of some kind, but unless you're from, like, a fishing village or family, not everyone knows how to fish. And then, for trying to make a net, that would be something where you actually needed to have profession of fishermen, because nets are intricate and hard to make. Who fucking proper. needs a net when you can just go noodling? True, but you can't noodle every fish. You can't noodle every fish, but who needs a net when you can just noodle? What you gonna noodle? There, there ain't catfish in every river. I know there ain't catfish in every river, and you know what? If it's not catfish, I don't fucking want it. <laughs> I okay. Personal opinion time. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I'm probably gonna get some hate for this, but trout are fucking disgusting to eat. I hate trout. Bass isn't much better. If it's not catfish and it's not fried with lots of butter, fuck it. See, I don't where want. Are you getting oil out in the woods? Oil is actually easy. Depending. Uh, most of the more common oils require more of a process. You need no, they don't. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right. No. How are you refining your vegetable oil, sir? That, I'm not talking about vegetable oil. Well, that's, that, shit's, that, was the that shit's bad for you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to find the most heavy set, slow party member who's lazy as fuck and has rolled up a city character. They're most likely to die in an accident, thus slowing down the rest of the group. That person is going to be filled with plenty of natural oils. <laughs> when you run down human fat, it is greasy in its own right, and whatever I cook is not going to stick to the rock. However, this does actually... Oh, yeah, this does actually lead me to... Wait, 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 so you're saying the human characters are the first to die? Well, not the elves? Elves are fat-free. They're Look scared. at every picture of an elf. They've always got athletic bodies. Wait, I need to Google something. But I know going. you need... No, actually, there is one other thing, though. And I have seen this in real life. Uh, when we were actually doing uh, some classes out in the field. We had to learn how to cook on a flat rock. Okay, how to build a basic woodland stove. Again, these are skills that in a fantasy setting, almost anybody should have. Right. Somebody used shale. As oh. their cooking rock. Okay, I know. Okay. This is actually something I can see a player character doing, or a real-life person doing. I, even at, it did not dawn on me at the time. Okay? Shale is an oil-based rock. Mm -hmm. Meaning when it gets hot, the moisture in between the slats of shale, even though it looks like a contiguous, solid, solid one piece, it will explode. Because the pockets of moisture inside of it, of course, what is, moisture doesn't compress very well, so it just kind of goes kaboom. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's definitely a thing I can see. You know, that would be a survival check or like the dwarf. That's that's where your dwarf comes in. No, you don't want to do that. Don't do it. Yeah, I'd give that I'd give yeah. that to like the stone carver. Yes, yeah, well stone cunning, their racial heritage, right? They they live around stone. They recognize it by sight almost. Or in some cases Yep, that's uh, that's that's granite. You know, they lick their tongue, they stick their finger at it, or they just lick the rock. How do you lick your own tongue? It's one of those weird thought things, like how do you touch your own fingers? You know, that's actually like a video game I've been playing lately, where <laughs> one of the characters has healing kiss. Oh, and then I sprained my ass. <laughs> well, this character happens to, strangely enough, the healer gets the most aggro. So she has to heal herself constantly. 
So she uses healing kiss on herself, and I'm just like, how the... <laughs> Error processing. Error processing, non-Euclidean <laughs> geometry. <laughs> Cthulhu, you can't roll a 47 on a d20. Don't stop using non-Euclidean dice. Her lips are bigger on the inside than they are on the outside. I don't get it. But anyway, um, your group is idiots. Uh, this was one group that no longer gets together anymore. But it, it's still, it's one of the fun things in looking at all the survival stuff is you get to see people's actual knowledge. Like, you'll get a bunch of these military guys who had survival training of some type. But man, they are god-awful to sit down and game with sometimes because they are just relentless on things that are not applicable. Well, the problem that I have with previous knowledge, and like I mentioned at the very beginning, when I was talking about a survival situation and the two items that I would be first and foremost to pick, which is a way to stay warm and a way to make a shelter. Yeah, those are very good starts. Yeah, those are my first two picks. I can forage for food long enough to figure out how to start growing or hunting food, but if I freeze to death or if something comes in the night and snatches me, I'm not going to be doing much else beyond that. Like I mentioned, though, that's meta-knowledge. Right. That, that's me, like, going, okay, this is what I would do if I was a fantasy character. And these guys you got, these military dudes, are not the first ones I've seen who pull this shit. Worst part, one of them was a ranger. Yeah, I, they are not the first ones I've seen who are uh, former military who come in and say, well, you know, when we went through basic training for military stuff in this environment, this is what we would take with us. It's like, dude, you're playing a fantasy character. Your training is modern compared to the fantasy character you are portraying. You need a separation between player and character, all right? Right. Like, if I had two items, I would pick rope and a dagger. Because well, you can do a lot of stuff that you can do with an axe, not as much, but a lot, with a dagger. And rope you can use to make things that you can, again, shelter, a source of, you know, a, a source of wood, fire, heat, by yeah. extension. Yeah, you, uh, if, with the right application, you can turn a rope basically into a very, 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 very long burning torch. Or you could actually unwind it into its individual strands to make twine. Right. And, of course, a dagger can be used for a lot of things from, of course, fishing, carving, basic bushcraft stuff. Yeah, I mean, well, anything you can use, any you can use about any blade for bushcraft stuff. However, once it starts getting past that foot and a half mark, daggers in total, Yeah, you know, or an axe, you're going to start having problems with it being unwieldy for that application. Like, if I were to try and whittle a spear with a sword, I'm not going to have a great time. No. Well, again, and this goes to the point of why I set it up that way of, they had whatever they have two hands so they could have two things is I set it up as a trap to see what their thought process would be and it's a clever trap because they easily could have said my bag of supplies and one of my weapons Ding. my my holy satchel and my fucking you know returning dagger you know but uh, now let's move this into another fun scenario because now they no one gets any choice you don't get to pick up shit you're escaping the deep, dark prison on top of Mount fucking Etna out in the snowy winter, uh, winterlands and shit. And you've got to now survive and try and get back to a friendly city or into the next country or something. So now you're in a survival situation where you guys were all locked up. You don't have shit. Yeah. Except um... your wits and what you got. Yeah, we wouldn't be living very long if we were escaping down the side of a snowy mountain. There's yeah. this thing called frostbite, mm -hmm. uh, avalanche, hypothermia. Yeah, yeah, we'd be fucked. Uh, malnutrition, we dehydration. Well, no, no, dehydration wouldn't be much of a problem if we're on a snow. Dehydration have... would be one of the last of our problems because you can keep packing snow in your mouth all fucking day long. But it'll drop your temperature uh, a bit, unless you're a certain sniper from World War II. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember, that? he also had proper clothing. Yes, he had he had proper winter gear and was a general badass. Yeah, but that's yeah, neither so, here nor there. So let me let me put it this way then to to set up the way I want to run this scenario when I eventually get around to it. 
So it's a group of, say, four to six people. So standard party. Yeah, they're they're all in this prison for different reasons. I'm NPC. in for jaywalking. <laughs> NPC comes up and is like, we've got an escape plan, but we need like everyone to like rush the guards, and then we're going to blow the fucking side of the wall and try and get out of here before all the constructs get awakened or whatever. Say there's like fucking gargoyles on all the things, and they awaken and subdue people. But you can get out if you can get so far away that the constructs can't leave the, the magical zone. So you got to make it down the mountain. So now you got to try and prep whatever normal stuff you can try, right? So you're going to be like, I'm going to take all the fucking blankets I can get. You're going to be like, I'm going to fucking... As soon as we try to run out of here, there's the fucking kitchen. I'm going to run in there and grab a fucking knife and uh, whatever sack of potatoes. If I... If, if if it's a survival campaign and I have any choice in the matter, one of the first things I would avoid, and I'm sure one of your players will not, <laughs> uh, or at least one of them will not, is one of the first things I would avoid, even though it will help me when I'm at the base of the mountain, anywhere on that mountain where there is at least a nice breeze and or snow, I would, if I was wearing metal armor, I would be fucked. Okay. With or without a cloak, a cloak. So the first thing I would avoid for grabbing is anything that I would be wearing that's made of metal. In a frost environment. And probably a desert, too. You're not going to have a great time with metal in either well, spot. Well, metal, like, is crazy, dude. It'll just pull the heat right out of you. Mm -hmm. Even if you have layers on underneath, you just get, like, flash frozen. Yep. It, it's Sinister definitely showed. It's kind of like those cups we had back in the 70s that were made of aluminum. And it would freeze your goddamn hands. <laughs> Hence the invention of the beer cozy. Oh, dude, I hated those glass. I liked them because they were, like, really cool looking, but if you put more than two ice cubes in it, that it would just, like, your hand would freeze to it. Yeah. Now imagine your entire body is coated in metal. And there's ice all around you. Well, so they would have to hope to God, because I'm not one of those nice GMs where I'm like, oh, you found the... The magic uh, fucking size-changing armor that's meant for anyone. No, it's like, all right, you need to find a dude roughly your size. This is uh, on a GM roll. Uh, you find a guy, you can take his shoulder pieces. Yeah, like, it. If I had to go down, if I knew I was on a mountain and I'm about to go down a mountain... Uh, leather armor would be a much better choice. Leather armor, could. woolen clothes, definitely rope... A grapple hook if I can get a hold of one, or at mm -hmm. least two grapple hooks if I can get a hold of them. But I would have some sort of, like, the first things I'd be looking for before food, because you can go up to 30 days without food. Food would only weigh me down if I'm trying to get the fuck out of Dodge as fast as possible. So I would be getting whatever gear I can to get to the base of the mountain and worry about foraging. Yeah, or God forbid you have a druid or someone with Goodberry or another survival thing where they magically go and take a fucking uh, rice grain and it's enough to feed three medium creatures. Hell, even if I was playing a spellcaster, and God damn, I love spellcasters, of course. Don't we know it? And there's certain benchmark spells that almost every spellcaster takes. And even though the range is pretty limited, Magic Missile will get you a, a warm meal. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hell, yeah, that well. goat over there, magic missile. Hell, you magic missile that squirrel on a tree, and it pre-cooks it as you kill it. <laughs> you know? Friction cooking. Friction cooking! Yes. Uh, yeah, as, as far as a mountain scenario is, if you want to be absolutely fucking cruel to your players and watch them die terribly... Terribad. Terribad. Look up the rules on hypothermia as they're presented in the book. And then I let have your, ultimate wilderness. Yes, and then let your player characters escape in their prison garments, which, of course, in medieval times would basically be rough-hewn... It'd be like a tabard in that bed. Burlap fucking... Bullshit. High-water pants and a really shitty, ill-fitting shirt. Escape in that. Yeah. With, and even during the day, dude, when it's like 30 degrees outside, they're knee-high in snow... Just praying to God that they don't hit one of those pockets which, like, throws them down into their chest. Yup. Yeah, and that's the thing. They, they can totally try and fleece the guards for stuff they got, but there's a chance. Not all the guards are, you know, giant fucking orc size, and not all the guards are little fucking gnome size. I don't even think they'd have a gnome guard unless, you know, it was magical. 
And at that point, he wouldn't be wearing the kind of armor the fighter would want. And of course, it also depends on certain scenarios. Like, if this is a basic prison escape campaign, no problem. You go in, you kick some ass, you pick up whatever you can, you get the fuck out of Dodge. But then again, if this is a situation where it's desperate survival, and desperate survival is pretty grim shit, so my advice to GMs out there, like, for desperate survival situations, it's probably best to avoid them, because otherwise your player characters are going to be trapped on an airplane in the Andes, and sources of food become very rare, and player characters can be really fucking gruesome. So... I would avoid grimdark things that would, you know, call into questions about morality. Alright, so let, let's take away the whole snowy thing. You're just up on the side of a uh, fucking mountain, right? And the nearest civilization you know is like three days by fucking carriage down the only usable path which they can easily catch you on. Alright, so that's about a two week journey. Yeah. Off yeah. trail, on foot. Yeah, I mean, if you've got uh the obvious choice for, you know, woodlands and most other biomes is a druid, if your party has one. They're going to be able to help keep you guys supplied. They're going to have a decent idea of what is good and what is not good in terms of plant and animal life. Probably better than most tribal knowledge, or uh, hearth knowledge as you called it. But at the same token, you also have a medic. Mm -hmm. And... Believe it or not, a medic or soap are your best goddamn friends. Because you get, you know, a halfway decent infection, fail one or two con saves, and you're dead weight. Well, that that's really how it was in all of medieval times. Well, you got cut, true. you more than likely were getting an infection. Yeah, and, you know, at the same token, you know, soap has a a couple of good uses but being able to clean something to clean something like cleaning a little bit of leather so that you can start making garb you know early tanning not decent tanning but early tanning you still need materials and I think bringing you know like, rope is useful, knives are useful, fire is useful, a, a way to carry water. Mm-hmm. A way to carry water. And, and that's something I haven't seen you guys bring up much, aside from the snowscape. Like you said, snow is... Then again, if I'm going to bring up water, dude, again, I'm going to be dominating this podcast because there are ways that I know how to get water in the forest without snow or waiting for it to rain. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is why I said something to carry water. This way that you can still make progress, and, you know, you'll be hungry, it'll suck, but you can do it. And you need water, I think it's like six days, where food... Uh, three. Yeah, three, right? Three really? days. Three I days haven't drank most... water in, like, a long time. You also have other sources of hydration that are... Oh, no, it's dehydrating, but he still gets an amount of liquid. I mean, that soda's, what, 30% sugar? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but still, it's one of those things of... You also have to look into a whole bunch of the other stuff that they have. Maybe there's a fucking uh, lizard folk in the party. They can, they can survive a lot longer. Oh, yeah. Maybe lizard you've folk. got that super fucking fragile Asimar or some shit that, you know. Or maybe I'm playing somebody who's got 18 strength and I killed one of the guards and then he's just a big bag of water and meat. I'm carrying as a backpack. Mm. I broke his arms and legs so I could, you know, use them as fucking arm straps. You know, here we go, another curveball to do a survival type game and hopefully inspire our like twelve listeners. <laughs> um, new world campaign. Okay. You're on a ship, you're for some reason you're going out there. You were conscripted, you snuck on board, you were hired. You were hired for some reason. Storm catches the ship. It hits on the rocks, right? You and the party are the only survivors who wake up. Most of the stuff's been ruined. Things have been dragged out to sea to never be seen again. You have to salvage whatever's left and try and survive at that point. So, Desert Isle sort of stale. Not even Desert Isle. You could straight up be in the Bahamas. 
You could be mainland America's stuff. Yeah, so that becomes a trial and error situation. Mm-hmm. Where you, like, eat one leaf off of a plant and pray to God you don't, like, collapse shit in cramps yourself. and shit yourself. And you have no idea what kind of fish are edible in the water. That, that becomes a, a trial and error situation. That actually is pretty hardcore. Uh, other than New World, the more hardcore uh, things to do is desert. And I think the most hardcore is actually sea survival. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sea, sea survival. Water Harsh. world scenario. A water world scenario would be just... For a new group, that'd be damn near impossible. You would need seasoned adventures, and I think minimum, to not break it to be easy, you'd have to be 5th level, I think, to take that on. Something like that. Yeah. But really, once you get beyond that, if you have any casters in the party, create food and water. Well, the sea is a wicked bitch when she wants to be, and Oh, yeah. Even if you find land that you can settle on for a short amount of time, one storm, if they're, you're near the... Uh, if you're on a sandbar island, you're done. If you're on a sandbar island or a rocky uh, crag uh, collecting water or something, or you're just trying to build a lookout tower, you can get swept away in a heartbeat. Oh, or yeah. God forbid you end up on a volcanic isle. Or God forbid you wind up in like this giant crescent-shaped isle and you suddenly hear like air raid sirens as the United States government is about to do nuclear testing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that these are some fun ways to try and start a survival campaign. Because then the GM doesn't have to worry about 50 million NPCs. I, I would think that with the survival campaign, regardless, regardless of whether or not it is your basic temperate uh, climate with trees and forest or a jungle environment... Desert Island, New World, whatever. The only two suggestions I would have for a GM, number one, is research the materials because survival is a very serious thing because survival is, just like the word says, it's life or death. Yeah. It, you're, you're going from one day to the next. You have to work to survive. There's no microwaves. There's no free shit. Everything you have, you have to make for yourself. Or so, catch. Or catch. Exactly. So, with survival, you got to treat it very seriously and review the materials beforehand to be more familiarized with yourself. Especially because some players will try to bullshit you on stuff that they think they can get away with. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll say, "Oh, I learned this from you know my cousin's uncle's little brother who was in the you know." He was a green beret. He was a green beret in the Bear Scouts. Yeah, not not to shit on the green berets, but. There's always someone who swears they know a Green Beret. He was a Navy eel. <laughs> you know, there's always some guy who's going to try to bullshit you with survival stuff. And you'd be like, look, this is a medieval setting. Or this is a far future setting. You've only got your laser cutter, okay? Uh, number two, uh, when you are approaching a survival game, use common sense. Common sense is misnomer twice. It is neither common nor a sense. And God Damn it, if it doesn't show. It's so rare as to be a superpower. Right. But 99% of the times, if you're running a survival game, and something is happening in your game, and you've got to be aware uh, a lot more in a survival game of the weather. Is it raining? Mm. Is it sunny? Is it hot? Is it cold? Is, is it the forest, humid? Is it humid? Is the forest dense? Is it foggy? You, you know, need to know your environment the, the, intimately. Yeah, you need to know the environment of the flora and fauna and weather intimately. So when you are describing this stuff to your players and they want to interact with this environment that you are describing, more common sense than normal is going to have to take part than just a normal cityscape or random adventure in a dungeon. That's my advice. Yeah, and like, you know, further down the way, you can sort of add little nuggets like hey this looks like it was a ruin of a house you know two broken walls and what looks like the outline of a couple more walls that are now gone even that is a good start to a shelter mm -hmm. and then you know eventually people are going to explore this is how this is how survival happens as you sort of explore your environment and, you know, they find something else that could be useful. And then you find a dinosaur, you punch it in the head until it's knocked out, and you feed it narco berries. <laughs> or you find the bear and run like hell. Right. So I'm sorry, the, the bears in Ark were a lot more scary to try and do that to than the other fucking dinosaurs. I'm still sad that 
Of all the ones that died, I lost the motherfucker to a goddamn little flying mosquito monster thing. <laughs> that was my favorite Carnosaur. Because he just like ran up and surprised, hit me in the ass, and I went flying. I turned around and I'm like, alright dude, just game on. All I got is my fist. Let's do this. I'm, if I'm going to die, I'm going to go down swinging. <laughs> and I barely knocked him out. <laughs> <laughs> I was so close to dead, and then I just like ran around the island, like feeding him berries as fast as I could, <laughs> fish, feeding him fish meat as fast as I could. I'm just like, eat it, <laughs> survive, be mine. That's why I named him the motherfucker because he just showed up one day, and I was, and when he first hit me, and I went flying across the screen, I just did. I jumped at my desk. I'm like the motherfucker. <laughs> so I named him that. <laughs> it's fitting. It is very fitting, and. It goes on one of those things again, you know, you gotta be mindful of the flora and fauna, and there are predators out there that will stalk their prey. And we have this uh, here in our region. Hell, there was a video, a guy got stalked by a mountain lion for like an hour. Yeah, that's what I'm going on, is there are people who get stalked. There was this uh, gal recently, her and her husband were out hiking, and her husband got attacked by the mountain lion. It, it drew blood and everything, and he was really severely wounded they were making their way back to the trailhead fortunately he was armed and she did take shots at it but like dumb people do they were only warning shots and I'm sorry with with mountain lions you, there is no such thing as a warning shot you put that fucker down and uh, that's another thing is like <laughs> the concept of a warning shot is something you do to scare things if you if a predatory animal has decided you look like lunch, they're not going to be scared as easily because they'll be like, "Man, I'm fucking hungry." Well, big uh, big cats are predominantly the worst, in my less than humble opinion. It makes sense. Canines they're... are kind of iffy. Yeah, uh, it depends on. It starts depending on desperation with canines. With canines, it's desperation and numbers. But big cats are solo predators, and especially in the case of the lady and her husband, the cat had tasted blood. They were leaving a trail of blood. And this fucker stalked them all the way back to the trailhead, and the big mistake she made was firing warning shots to scare it away. That's not how... The mountain lions, once they taste blood, and once they think they've got viable food... They're gonna hunt it. They will, they will run away with the warning shots, and then they will wait for the opportunity and just surprise motherfucker all over again, because that's how it attacked the first time. It just came out of nowhere. Hello, mauled him. Yeah, they're ambush predators. They're ambush predators. Or, man, which... you think about bears. There's that story of those guys a couple years ago. They went up to be all hippy-dippy bear commune thing, and they ended up all getting mauled to death. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. If you're being an idiot around wildlife, wildlife is gonna get you. Well, that's one of the things people have to remember, and I I've gone over this before in other formats, and I don't understand the modern thinking of all these people who think about the forest, about all these trees and crystals and love and moonlight, and they go out in the woods to commune with nature and stuff, and they believe it's all like this big, wholesome, spiritual journey, when in truth, nature gives zero fucks. Collectively zero fucks. Collectively fuck. zero fucks. Nature will just destroy you if you are not prepared for it. Well, right. you think about it, a lot of them are probably thinking it's hard to go back to everything's Europhile. But look at Europe, where they had thousands of years of them getting rid of anything that would harm the people there. The, the fucking... Uh, the English Isles in Scotland, what predators are there? They have got... They've killed off all of their wolves... They killed off all of their fucking bears. They killed off a whole bunch of other predators. I think the most dangerous thing they got there is the badger. Or goat. Depending on the circumstances, yeah. a goat will will just boot you off a mountain and then you're fucked. Yeah, I was thinking Angela Merkel is a pretty nasty predator, but that's just me I, I meant, being political. But that's, you know, that, that's alien threat there. Alien threat. <laughs> yeah. Alien versus predator. Yeah, It's one of those things, though, as a GM. Oh, God, I just pictured need... her and... Uh, Biden. Just imagine Angela Merkel in a bikini. There no, you I'm go. Good. But one of the things as a GM, though, is you have to be aware of what kind of animals you have inhabiting your terrain. And a vast majority, and especially in a survival situation, you're trying to provide a challenge to your player characters. 
Nature is wildly unbalanced. Oh yeah. World ain't at your level, bro. It, just because you're level one running through the woods in a survival campaign does not mean you are not going to meet a mama bear and her cubs who are pissed. Yeah, it, it you might got close happen. to babies. If you get close to babies, mama bear is going to have issues with you and make it very well known. Or, you know, again, big cats, especially, you know, if, if you're doing a jungle campaign. Oh, yeah. Uh, tigers are definitely not going to be within your level spread, and they're... They will hunt you. They will hunt you, they will kill you, they will eat you, and they will ruin your goddamn day. Yeah. There, there's no balance of uh, challenge rating in nature. In nature, just like, I live here, bitch. Yeah. Unless, of course, you know, you're playing Australia. You know, hard, <laughs> that, that's hard mode right there. You know, the ground is out to kill you. The trees are out to kill you. The animals are out to kill you. The sun is out to kill you. The air is out to kill the, you. Yeah, the air is out to kill you. And, and anything even, else probably is like either you're going to give oh, me something I want. The earthquakes, right? Yeah. Uh, either you're going to give me something that I want willingly, or there's going to be some other price to pay. And you're not going to like it, let one me, way or another. Just, just let, just let me say that, of all the people I've talked to in the world, Australians are really good at keeping secrets for the most part. Uh, the, the common knowledge secrets that most people, you know, commonly think about when they think about other countries. But I will tell you this as somebody who's spoken to a shitload more Australians than I should have as an American, because. We're not very well liked amongst most of the global populace. But for some reason, I could just sneak in and be like, G'day, mate. Well, their women do tend to prefer Americans out of all the foreigners. Uh, actually, the guy I was speaking to, Neil and his wife, they're a really awesome couple down there in Queensland. And we got to talking one day, and he divulged some of the, the secret Aussie uh, power secrets. And one of them is power word koala. And apparently... <laughs> drop baths, mate. Drop bath. <laughs> koalas are beyond fucking scary. It's like... We, we look at them in pictures and everything and we go, Oh, they're so cute. They're like little you know, tree-eating leaf bears and stuff. They yeah. are high as balls, smooth-brained, giant-clawed. They die of starvation as often as they do from wildfires. Because they're the, what they eat grinds their teeth down and their, tooth, their teeth never evolve to keep growing. So they just end up starving to death on fucking withdrawals after spending a lifetime of being high as balls. Yeah, and they also don't feel very much in the way of pain either. So when one of these little shits gets uh, all riled up, basically you're dealing with a smaller version of a real-world equivalent of Freddy Krueger. Yeah. So you gotta be aware of your surroundings in a survival game. And I think if you're doing an Australia fantasy setting, your players might as well just tear up their character sheets then. Just, yeah, just that's, that's starting to get on Nopeville. Oh, yeah. yeah. In, in a hurry. Well, even if you check the water and you're like, yep, there's no crocodiles here, and the player characters decide to, you know, walk across the small creek, and you're like, haha, platypus, gotcha. Shit. <laughs> Poison ankle spur. <laughs> or uh, leeches. Oh, God, do they actually have a statted out platypus in Pathfinder? I need to look this up. Now. Maybe. It's a. Uh, there's a lot of animals that are missing in there, and actually, bring up a good point though: is leeches. Leeches are a thing, uh, especially in a survival game, because you are going to be bringing in elements of survival into your D and D game. If you're running a pure survival game, it's up to the GM's prerogative, but you've also got to remember diseases and sicknesses. Yep. That's there, a whole nother chapter to try and memorize and read and figure out. Well, there's a reason why the tree people in Papua New Guinea have their houses 20 feet up in the air. <laughs> bugs! Lots of fucking mosquitoes, dude, and bugs. Bug, 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 bug. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like, you know, insects, like, we don't really think about them very much, but they are actually kind of a big threat when yeah. like if, oh yeah they're a huge threat if you don't know about it though you're gonna wind up in some hot water like not even giant bugs like a centipede the, are, the more poisonous they usually are right um 
Well, I mean, even here in the states, you know, we've got everything from uh, arachnids, and and in, in this state, we've got the brown recluse spider, and we've got the black widow, which apparently people don't think exists up here. And I'm like, ah, fuck you, yes they do. I used to kill them with a baseball bat in my living room. Fuck Hate no. those little shits. And those are so poisonous; they can kill a man, and they're not even the size of a quarter. Uh, of course, when I was living down in the southeast. We had, of course, ticks all over the goddamn place, chiggers, mosquitoes the size of fucking school buses, <laughs> God knows what else creepy crawlies, and I have seen some really weird fucking insects. Oh, hell, you want to talk about something people mostly don't think about? Ants, man. Oh, like ants. if you get, if, oh, yeah. if you're down and you're fucking injured or something, and an ant's like, ooh, there's this protein substance. Dude, if you fall asleep and you've got an open wound, you can wake up and those ants are tearing your ass apart. Great. I needed to sleep tonight. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> Just dream about ants. No. Crawling into an open wound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is a valid concern when you're starting to think about survival. Bug life, you are just another protein source. If they're into protein, they're gonna find a way to make it work. And it will not be a pleasant experience. And at that point, you start dealing with, like, swarm rules for most systems. Yep. Because that's how they attack. That's how it works. Of course, you could be the ultra dick to your players. There is one way. You could just be, like, super mega ultra badass dick and get away with it. (laughs) Uh, Depending on... If your player characters go near any source of outdoor water, and of course survival situations or fantasy setting, it's going to happen predominantly quite a bit. Just let one of your players go into the water and be like, hey, make a fortitude save. And if they fail the fortitude save, and it'd probably be a fairly high DC. And then just have them drop dead two weeks later no matter what. Because they went swimming and got a single-cell amoeba up there in snoot. And it breached the blood-brain barrier. People have died from single-cell organisms. So if you want to be a complete dick to your players, be like, yeah, roll fortitude save and, you know, just mark it down. Oh, there's a death timer. They got 14 days. In nine days, they start getting the nosebleeds. And by then, it's too late. Oh, magical healing. Without magical healing, uh, uh, an amoeba can kill you. So, yeah, nature is scary, bro. Yeah. Now, here's the question. If you put on the ring of restoration, would it also restore the single-celled organism that's killing you? No, because the single-celled organism is a separate organism. It's foreign. There you go. And that's the thing. A ring of restoration or regeneration does not kill your uh, gut bacteria. Because technically, it is not a parasite. It is a symbiote. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, symbiotic and... organisms by the extended rules in one of the fucking books from way back in yesteryear said that when you wear like these restorative items anything that's considered symbiotic to continuing and preserving your life is also included included yeah so you know all the good bacteria that you keep in your guts to actually process food yeah so you don't have to like mow down yogurt like a motherfucker just because you put on a ring of regeneration yeah. It's okay. You don't need to eat excessive amounts of yogurt. The gut bacteria is still there. You're all right. Because apparently somebody had that question once, and it's just like, what the hell? I mean, it makes sense. It's a valid question. It's a valid question, but we're playing a fantasy game. Right. There, there's a certain point when you're playing a fantasy game where you're like, okay, I get it. The rules of reality exist and are part of this game world. But so are the gods, and so is the ability to conjure fire out of thin air. Yes, I don't exactly think anyone is worrying about will it rebalance my humors. Yeah. Or I stab a guy so hard his fucking head explodes. Thank you, Vorpal Weapons. Fucking Vorpal Weapons, man. Yeah, Vorpal Weapons, though, do not work against a Dullahan. Yeah, it's already been beheaded. You can't yeah. sever the head-neck connection. But the if question is, exist. if you swing a Vorpal weapon at an Etten... Which head comes off? Yeah, which head comes off? Or what about a Hydra? Oh, that starts bugging problems. Oh, a Hydra's easy, dude. I can take a Hydra any day. I'll just build a lawnmower and make all four blades Vorpal. 
Or actually, I'll make two blades Vorpal and two blades uh, Heat Metal. Yeah, that'd do it. Just cauterize so it. So it'll cauterize as it cuts. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I need to make a sorcerer with a lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, you gotta make him kind of paunchy, and then he's balding, and he's got the fucking sad dad mustache. He's got the sad dad mustache, and, like, <laughs> he gets pulled over by the town guard for driving his lawnmower through town while drinking a beer. <laughs> Oh yeah, see that—that's the kind of fun shit I'm looking for. But survival games are definitely an interesting take to take on stuff. I mean, there's so many different ways to do it, so many different biomes, so much information you need to read about. I think the big downside, though, to a survival game, and I'm gonna just use this as my closing statements because I know we're getting uh, close to the mm -hmm. end here. So my final thoughts, though. And it just really hit me predominantly about a survival game is it's probably going to be a lot of time of boring. So if you've got a group of murder hobos or a group who likes action-packed dungeon delving adventures where there's always danger lurking around every corner, there's always going to be checking for traps, they're probably not going to like a survival game if what they're drawn towards is murder hoboism and just dungeon crawls loot and murder loot and murder because a survival game is going to be a lot more uh tactically inclined you know you're going to have to be plotting and planning working with the other characters there's going to be a lot of time you know that some dude is going to be building the shelter another one is out hunting another one is preparing spells for helping prepare the shelter you right. know you got another guy up in a tree on lookout maybe one of them got hurt and he's on downtime because the healer's out of spells from doing other stuff the day before so you're going to have a lot of downtime, and you're going to have a lot of uh, slow roleplay sessions where people are just basically building the camp over time to survive and build their uh, resources up so they can actually make it to civilization safely later on, unless they're in a hurry and it's a uh, traveling survival game where they're going from point A to point B and trying to survive the whole way. I would think that this is going to be a very roleplay intensive and mentally taxing kind of scenario to go through. If you have players who like this kind of stuff, they have, they like puzzle solving, they like mystery. And or if they're high RP. Yeah, if they're high RP, definitely. I think this is the kind of game that would cater to that group. Oh yeah. Action groups, on the other hand... You're going to have a hard time keeping them entertained with consistency. Yeah, the, the action player would be the only one having fun when you have like... Day 17, random animal comes wandering into your camp. Dinner! You know, yeah, they're going to be like, oh my god, I finally get combat. You know, and, and they're going to be ecstatic for about the next two days in yeah. game, and that'll be it. Yeah, they're going to be ecstatic for the next two days in game. And they're going to have to remember, uh, especially if you do survival stuff, most things that are going to come into your camp looking for food that want to eat you are not in and of themselves things that you probably want to eat. Like, a mountain lion is a carnivore. They're gonna be shitty fucking diseased meat. It, yeah, the meat is not gonna be something you want to fucking eat. If it's a herbivore, on the other hand, more likely you're gonna be out going looking for it. And, yeah, it's, like, you're not gonna be very combat intensive in a survival game. So that's my final thoughts, is... If you got a roleplay group, great. If you've got a murder hobo group, not so great. Uh, just, again, trust your gut, but have fun with it. And I'm going to go back to my crypt now, because I'm on... Less sleep than last week. Less sleep than last week. <laughs> I hate Malfoy. And Dobby. Okay, I'm out. <laughs> Let your characters entertain themselves. Like, something that we haven't really discussed is that entertainment and keeping your mind active, healthy, happy within the limits that you have is, you know, keeping yourself motivated to survive. Like, if you start getting, you know, bored out in a survival situation and you don't have the energy to really do the things you need to do, you're going to fade out very, very quickly. And it's you might not wake up or you might wind up just not having the emotional energy needed to really do anything you need to survive so keep
keep yourselves, you know, like in a survival situation, keep yourselves happy. Make yourself some kind of neat little tchotchke. Just something to occupy yourself in addition to basic survival needs. Anyhow, that's my two cents. Kazakhan, back to this, guys. Alright, my final thought is more of a question I need to pose to both of you. What if you have a summoner in the party? Can they summon dinner, or does it poof? Because I tortured one of my players by saying when you summon, you're pulling the real animal out from somewhere in the universe. So, my, it poofs. Yeah, my argument would be it poofs. A summon creature, when it reaches zero hit points in combat, poofs. Yep. So out of combat, if you were to summon a creature for dinner and you stabbed the crap out of it, you murdered the death, it's going to poof. The thing is, it when a summoning spell happens, what happens is you're basically opening a pocket gate being like, hey, I'm looking for this thing. Slorp. Slap. And you stab it on the... You, you stick it in the ground or on the ground or whatever, and it goes and does, does stuff, and it's magically bound to your command, part of the summoning. So it just... You're displacing it, but because it is your magical energy that is keeping that gate open, that is feeding it from its natural realm, and that it's going to revert to, because that's just the way it works, it snapped mm -hmm. back. So you might kill a summoned creature, and then a dead body will appear in another realm that you summoned it from. Yeah, see, my, my druid was using his snakes as cannon fodder, and he, he didn't like that, that his snakes were real snakes from somewhere. He, he was not prepared. He did not read the rules on that, but he is bending the fuck out of crafting rules. I was once playing a priest of set, and I summoned this snake once and shot a barbarian with it. I mean, you can do crazy things. <laughs> <laughs> and inventivity is... Fuck you, Crom. Sick. <laughs> In, I think inventive players... Inventive and high RP players will really thrive in a survival environment style campaign. Cool. So that is my final thoughts. Um, Darth Blasphemous signing off. Are those the good berries, or are those berries that I shouldn't eat? No, those are the dingle berries.